When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. The panel. It is uh, 10.24. It's panel time this morning. We have Brad Lewis with us and uh, Andrew Gordy, two regulars uh, with us. Uh, Andrew Gordy, if I I could start with you this morning, uh, what did you make of last night, uh, the Murray All Blacks uh, and Ireland? Morning, Smithy. Morning, Brad. Morning to all the listeners. Um, Just before we get to that, Smithy, uh, it's a real delight, actually, to be on the panel with Brad this morning. Uh, I know how passionate Brad is about Liverpool Football Club, and I suppose probably the biggest result uh, overnight, Smithy, was, and you would have seen this, uh, pre-season result, Manchester United 4, Liverpool nil. Now, I mean, as we all know, you can read absolutely everything into pre-season football, and I think this is a real sign of things to come. Perhaps Manchester United have turned a corner here, and I think, you know, you can probably make them favourites for the Premier league title right now. What do you think, Brad? Well, if they're playing 15-year-old kids every week, Gordon, then yeah, absolutely, they will be favourites for the <laughs> Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought, I thought yeah. I might get that sort of response from you, mate. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. No, look, let's get on to the rugby, mate. Um, no, uh, look, fair play Ireland last night, I thought. Um, they're, they're obviously, you know, they've essentially brought two teams down here, haven't they? So, and we obviously know that their first team is, is doing an exceptional job uh, against the All Blacks in this series, um, they were they were outdone by the by the Māori All Blacks in the first game. But but last night it just felt to me, Smithy, as though the Māori All Blacks were a bit disjointed at times. And um, I, I'm not sure if that was uh, perhaps a sign that the the Irish second string team have have improved. Um, but but I think they thoroughly deserved their victory last night. And I found some of the comments um, after the game fairly interesting, suggesting that this Māori All Blacks team might, might need to start playing more often um, if, if they're to get some sort of consistency. It's probably not a bad shout. And Look, I don't, I don't actually mind the structure of this tour uh, of Ireland here. They're, they're playing five games, obviously, three tests and, and two against the Māori All Blacks. And I just think that that should probably be the standard going forward, uh, the standard mm. sort of mid-year tour, I suppose, from these Northern Hemisphere teams. We should have a couple of a couple of midweek games, I suppose, against the Māori All Blacks, and that'll just give them some regularity, I suppose. I wouldn't mind seeing that going forward. I wouldn't mind seeing that next year, uh, to be honest, Brad. Imagine France coming here for three against uh, the All Blacks, two against uh, Māori All Blacks, and then a World Cup following that. Uh, how good a year of rugby would that line up? 
and it makes a lot of sense for the touring team, right? Like, um, like Farrell's made it pretty clear the whole time he's been down here that this is about testing some players and some serious games with a World Cup in mind. And look, I think I think Ireland just look like a team full of confidence at the moment. Now I know that it was a completely different side that turned up at Sky Stadium last night, but um, they were they were a different side than the side that played Week One. Uh, and yeah, I just think the confidence of that performance against the All Blacks on the weekend has gone right through that whole entire squad. Uh, and, and they played good rugby last night. Um, I agree with Gords. The Moldy looked a little bit disjointed. Um, but by looking forward, I think, um, look, back, we're not going to go back into the days where we had 13-game tours and the likes of Mid-Canterbury and South Canterbury and, and North Auckland and, and teams like that got games. But it would be great to see a Moldy and maybe a New Zealand 15 uh, run out um, against the touring side for a six-game tour. Um, I think that would be fantastic. Okay, let's uh, look, uh, Brad, I'll give you a first crack at this. Uh, Angus Ta'avol uh, dished out a three-week ban for uh, his act in the weekend, shall we say, his red carding in the weekend. Um, and the panel chaired by Mr Wang Shou Ng from Singapore said, uh, we'll let you off four of those weeks, three because you've got good behaviour record and one because you uh, have volunteered to undertake some sort of uh, session on it. What do you make of that uh, punishment? Yeah, well, he's a, he's a great of the game in Singapore. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, uh, rugby has got so many issues, Smithy, and I, I love the game. And, um, I, I let, I let the All Blacks Island test slide the other day, like, like it happened. And, but then I watched the Australian game and that was enough for me. Like, and for, for someone to go for an intercept and get, uh, yellow carded. It's, the game has become ridiculous. And look, Angus Tarval went into that challenge and I get uh, that. Um, that we have to remove head contact from the game. But the fact of the matter is is that he had no intent. It was, an, it was basically an accident. Was his technique slightly off? Maybe, but he had a back running at him, changing distance at, at a trillion miles an hour. And yes, they made head contact. Okay, he, got, he gets a red card. But to suspend the guy for three weeks is ridiculous when... It wasn't. It wasn't intentful. There was no spite in that challenge. He, yes, he made head contact. But rugby's got so many issues right now, and it's it's beating itself up on a re- regular basis. There was more intercept, intercept um, malarkey last night. Um, the game is in serious need of a makeover. There, there are a lot of issues right now, um, and I, I think incidental contact contact like that to rule the guy out for three weeks from Test rugby is ludicrous. Yeah, uh, Gords, I'm right in that bracket. I mean, can you compare that head clash with a deliberate headbutt? Gets the same punishment in terms of the match situation anyway. And what a debacle followed on after that. Yeah, it, it is ridiculous. And I like to use, uh, when I'm watching a game, I like to use my, my wife actually as a point of reference. Um, she mm. saw Angus Tutter get a red card and, and she just turned around and said, that's ridiculous. It's, it was an accident. Now, I understand the agenda that World Rugby is working to here. Um, they are trying to... They are essentially overcompensating, aren't they? They're overreacting to the the situation. And it is a concerning one, obviously, that we have mo- moving forward for players with, with the long-term impact of head injury. So, so I understand that they have to do absolutely everything they can uh, to prove that they are looking after the well-being of their players and, and removing head contact from the game. But you're not going to be able to remove it completely from the game. And if you do try to, and, and, and what we're seeing here, with especially this incident with Angus Tarbo, you are ruining the game and you are going to turn people off the game. It, as, a, as a spectator sport, it becomes a, a bit of a farce, really. Um, having said that, 
the rules are the rules. And if we're looking at this from the point of view of an All Blacks team trying to win a World Cup in a, a year's time, um, I think this this uh, suggestion that Angus Tavo complete a head contact coaching intervention program, I think maybe NZR and Ian Foster might want to sign every single one of our eligible players up to this because it does seem to me that we are not learning fast enough uh, about how to change our, our tackle technique, perhaps. I, I, look, I agree with you all that it did seem to me to be an accident, and I don't know how Angus Tavo was supposed to adjust his, his body position, I suppose, that quickly. Um, but there is clearly some tackle technique that needs to be relearned and relearned very quickly. And, and I think the really standout thing for me was watching that game on, on Saturday night, and I'm sure a lot of people do this now, they, they watch it while monitoring social media. Now, every mm. New Zealand um, spectator of that game blew up calling it a farce and said it was an accident, but every Northern Hemisphere viewer of that incident said that's a red card. And what does that tell you? It tells you that their mindset has been adjusted. Now, I don't, I don't know for sure whether the players have completely adjusted, Northern Hemisphere players I'm talking about now, whether they've completely adjusted their tackle technique to suit just yet, but the expectation of the viewer has changed, and I think that's kind of telling in a way. So, really, the rules are the rules, and we all, viewers and players, are going to need to adjust very quickly, or else this is going to continue to be a problem come the World Cup next year. Andrew Gordy, Brad Lewis with us this morning. Uh, we'll take a short break for the news uh, with Araha. And uh, while we're doing that, you may want to consider that uh, Darcy Swain uh, for a deliberate headbutt. Got two weeks. It is 10.32 here on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy, Brad Lewis with us this morning. Uh, Brad Lewis, the name Bracewell again to the fore in uh, cricketing circles again after that great legacy of uh, what, five, four uncles playing and a father and first class and test level. Michael Bracewell and the cousin and Doug. Uh, Mike Bracewell comes to the fore in the last two games to save our blushes against Ireland twice in a row. Talented cricketer, Smithy. Uh the other, the other uh, morning will we'll, we'll live with a lot of cricket fans for a long time. New Zealand with no chance of winning that game with, with eight overs to go uh, and, and he, he got them out of a massive hole and bowled, bowled exceptionally well overnight uh, and then uh, stood up with the bat again again when New Zealand were in trouble losing two wickets off the first two balls of their innings uh, and, and losing eight wickets chasing 217 to 18 not a you know, not, not a not a not a chase without any uh, heart palpitations. But talented cricketer uh, who um, is probably suited to all three forms of the game. I just hope, Smithy, that it's not the end of Ajaz Patel's career because he's a far better bowler than Michael Bracewell at this point of his career. And mm. Gary Stead has always been a fan of players that can hold the bat a little bit, uh, and he usually picks players that can bat eight or nine over a bowler. Uh, which always worries me. He did it with Ratchin Ravindra over Ajaz Patel, and I feel like he's found his new favourite toy in Michael Bracewell, and potentially that could spell the end of Ajaz Patel's test career, which would be a travesty, given two tests ago, he took 10 wickets in an innings. Yeah, incidentally, yeah, that's a good point, a very good point uh, about Ravindra. He was hot there for a while. Uh, can't even remember where he is at the moment. Uh, Gords, what do you make of uh, Bracewell's performance? Yeah, look, brilliant and very encouraging. I think in these sorts of fixtures, which let's face it, um, it's not it's not like it's a 
the, the pressure is on. Let's face it, this is Ireland, and um, this is very much, uh, you know, fulfilling the obligations as far as the, the Future Tours program goes. But it is always encouraging when you see... Uh, a player who's new to the new to the setup, I suppose, come through and deliver such meaningful performances, um, because that's how you create depth, doesn't it? Um, because you don't always get the opportunities, I suppose, to create depth when things aren't going your way. But um, it's very encouraging, I think, to see a player like Michael Brace will step um, step up so seamlessly, I suppose, to the international cricket scene. Um, like you, Brad, I'd be deeply concerned if Gary Stead was taking this as some kind of indication uh, that Michael Brace will was player who could fill the role of Ajax Patel on the test array. We're talking to very different formats of the game here, uh, two very different skill sets required in terms of uh, what you need out of your spin bowler uh, in one-day cricket versus test cricket. So, yeah, I, I'd be deeply concerned if, if um, Gary said was entertaining those sorts of thoughts uh, at this point. But, yeah, look, to answer your question, uh, Michael Bracewell, it, it looks like we've got another... Uh, quality cricketer um, with a good head on his shoulders who, who has shown right from the get that he's able to compete at this, at this level. Uh, Gordes, uh, I know you've uh, got a, a really good opinion on what's going on in the world of golf at the moment, um, and there's plenty happening. Of course, uh, we're staring down the barrel of the 150th edition of the Open Championship at the Old Course St Andrews. All the big boys have uh, come to celebrate uh, such a, a great event. All but one, one who was uh, t- was told, you're not welcome here. Uh, that was Greg Norman, a dual winner of it, of course. Uh, what did you make of that? And what have you made of Tiger Woods finally coming out uh, about the, the Live Tour as such? Yeah, well, uh, just on your first point, what a statement, I suppose, for the RNA to deliver to, to not allow um, Greg Norman to attend um, such a such a big moment, I suppose, for for what is, I don't know, I suppose you could call historically the home of golf, if we want to put it in those terms. Um, it's a pretty clear message on what they think, I suppose, at a time when there is a lot of interest about how the majors are going to, what their approach is going to be towards the players who have defected and joined this Live Golf Tour. So I suppose from their point of view, it, seems, it does send a message that they're simply not going to be welcome. And, and I personally hope that that's what we see moving forward, that these players are, are not are going to be forced to make a choice between um, history and money, essentially, um, because at the moment they're not really being forced to make that choice. There's still that, that uncertainty, I suppose, about whether they're going to be allowed to compete in the major tournament. Um, I, I would like to see them banned, because then that's when well, the rubber's really going to hit the road, I suppose, as to, as to whether these players have got a choice to make. Um, on the second point, in terms of Tiger Woods and him coming out, look, I'm really encouraged to see that he's come out so strongly today. Um, and he's made some, some fantastic points, hasn't he? I mean, essentially accusing these players of signing up to an early retirement um, and taking it easy, taking the easy road, um, not being prepared to put in the work, um, essentially playing these shorter tournaments. I mean, he's, he's taken a real swipe especially, I suppose, at players like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, guys who are well and truly at the top of their game, competing on the world stage um, at the very highest level and accusing them, essentially, of, of taking the easy road out. My concern, I suppose, is that has it come too late? Because Tiger Woods, as we all know, is he's not just a, a big voice, a significant voice. He's the biggest voice. He is the player that moves the needle more than any other, and players are a, and and sponsors and administrators listen to what Tiger Woods has to say. So 
I suppose if there's one concern for me or, or one disappointment, it's just taken him so long to come out this strongly. Now, maybe that's because he has obviously been injured and there hasn't perhaps been the opportunity for him to speak so openly. Um, but this is a great stage, isn't it? A great platform at the British Open, um, you know, the 150th uh, anniversary of it as well. So there's extra meaning, I suppose, to these comments right now. And I suppose what Tiger Woods has tried to do is send a message that he doesn't think these players should be allowed to play in the majors going forward. And that, I think, will, will ultimately be the decisive factor as to whether live golf survives in the long term. Because if they are allowed to play in the, in the majors going forward, then, then I think it's, it's done and this, this tour will succeed. And I think we'll see uh, a, big, a, a big quantum shift, I suppose in the game of golf internationally. Mm, I'll be interested to see too, Brad, how uh, the likes of uh, <coughs> Ian Poulter, um, well, he's an Englishman, so uh, the Scots might not like him anyway, but uh, here's the thing. Uh, there's people like Dustin Johnson uh, playing there, Sergio Garcia, who's uh, turned into a bit of a, a bit of a toe rag, I think it's fair to say. Uh, how are they going to be received anyway without Greg Norman? Yeah, Gordy hit the nail on the head with every single thing that he said there and, and, and couldn't agree, and that's hard to follow. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, look, uh, um, we know that, that British uh, and European fans are particularly uh, rowdy, um, and uh, we've seen that at the Ryder Cup before, and I, I hope they make their, their feelings known because I think there's a lot of golf fans that have been hurt by this as well. Like, I mean, I was surprised the way the dominoes f- fell after that first week, and then all of a sudden kept, Kepka's involved and DeSam, uh, Bryson DeSambeau's involved. And uh, look, I actually thought Tiger Woods was probably a pretty good candidate for the Live Tour, given that he's got nothing left to prove. And I think it's great that he's shown his integrity by, by sticking with, with um, away from the, the Rebel League. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I think those players could be in for a, a pretty hellacious uh, couple of days. Um, you know, much like Quade Cooper at Eden Park in the uh, World Cup all those years ago, I think it could be some sort of something similar. It uh, might even be worse than that, I feel, and the English fans, by and large, are pretty polite when it comes to the big events. Um, uh, Gords, um, I won't give you a, a, a reply at this, but um, uh, you'll be um, you'll be thrilled uh, to to uh, to learn that uh, the the English pathway for Manchester United on home terms of homegrown footballers was was confirmed with the goal scorers last night against Liverpool too, with Jaden Sancho, Fred Marshall, and Facundo Pellistri uh, all able to net for Manchester United. So uh, that's a wonderful pathway that they're producing there. So, And I'm not going to give you, going to give you the reply about Liverpool's side. So there you go. Uh, Andrew Gordy, enjoy the rest of the school holidays. Uh, Brad Lewis, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, and we shall have another panel at the same time tomorrow morning. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck, play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.